Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Burdett, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Friday, June 24th. On today's episode of the Roundup, we're going to rebroadcast our January 28th podcast on Mark Cuban's new online pharmacy and how the direct-to-consumer retail pharmacy will shake up the market for generic prescription drugs. As you probably know, earlier this week, a study published in the Annals of Internal Medicine said Medicare could have saved nearly $4 billion in 2020 if it had bought 77 different generic drugs from Cuban's new company. But before we launch into the rebroadcast, which features Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Merchantson, partner at Transformation Capital, I want to read you a letter from Dave, who is away at a writer's camp at his alma mater, Colgate University in Hamilton, New York. Dear Julie and Dave, greetings from the Colgate Writers Conference in upstate New York. The conference and workshops are fantastic. Learning so much. These are my people. Gee, thanks, Dave. But I did forget to pack my long underwear. Uh-oh. I'm never this cold in Chicago. Yours with goosebumps, Dave. He's got that right. We're experiencing record-breaking heat here in Chicago. I hope Dave's got someone watering his outdoor plants. Okay, without further ado, please enjoy today's podcast. Now, before we talk about what Mark Cuban did, let me throw out a few statistics to set the table for our discussion. So hold on. The number of dispensed prescriptions rose 1.7% in 2020 to about 6.3 billion. Of those, 91% were generics. That's up from 72% in 2010. Total national health spending on prescription drugs rose 3% in 2020 to $348.1 billion. And patients' out-of-pocket costs for prescription drugs actually dropped 4.2% in 2020 to $46.5 billion. But at the same time, 94% of adults recently surveyed by West Health and Gallup said prices for drugs are higher than they should be. And 18% said they or someone in their family didn't fill a prescription or skipped a dose within the past 12 months because of the cost. Dave, that's the landscape we're in. How does what Cuban is doing uh, change that and change those data points? You know, if we had sound effects on this show, this is when the loud crowd cheering sound would come on. Mark Cuban's basketball team is the Mavericks. And I don't know if you've ever seen him. He sits in the corner and twirls his T-shirt, total, total jerk. But he's a true maverick when it comes to tackling excessive profiteering and generic drugs. So pardon my French, but Cuban is basically calling bullshit on the manufacturing and distribution of generic drugs. And good for him. So what's he doing? It's a platform play. Last month, he announced the launch of a pharmacy benefits manager, PBM, that can purchase generic drugs directly from manufacturers. This month, he's launching an online pharmacy company called, not surprisingly, the Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drug Company to sell generic drugs directly to patients who need them, bypassing insurance companies and PBMs. Later this year, he'll open a drug manufacturing facility in Dallas to lower costs even further. So how's Cuban going about all this? And Julie mentioned it earlier, transparency, baby. Cuban's new company is a public benefit corporation that is emphasizing impact over profits. 
the company will publish the prices for generic drugs it purchases and then charge a flat 15% markup when it actually sells the drugs to consumers. It also charges three bucks per prescription for pharmacist labor. The company will use TruePill's platform to fill and deliver prescriptions. And initially, they're offering 100 generic drugs uh, for sale that treat a variety of illnesses, you know, including diabetes, asthma, heart conditions, and others. It's a direct B2C play, so the company will sell directly to consumers at cash prices. So insurance doesn't come into play. And at first blush, that would seem to be a real negative. But even with that, the prices offered for many of these drugs will be lower than the copays that consumers pay today on supposedly insured drugs. If nothing else, that reality alone just shows you how screwed up the market is for generic drugs. And of course, for those who don't have insurance, cheaper access can be a lifesaver. But here's an example. Imatinib, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, is a generic leukemia drug with a retail price of $9,657 per month. The lowest common voucher price is $120. The Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drug Company price is $47. So there you go, 70 bucks, 70 plus bucks cheaper than what you would you'd pay in the copay. What's the market impact? Sunlight is the best disinfectants. Cuban's launch, rightly so, is getting lots of media attention. It's not so great for manufacturers and PBM. He's also putting pressure on other online pharmacies like Amazon, GoodRx, and Roe to up their game. Competition is good. We're pro-market on the roundup. It's also good for Mark Cuban. The guy is an egomaniac. I mean, look at the name of the company, the Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drug Company. But you know, he can be an egomaniac if it helps bring rationality to the blatant and rampant profiteering in generic drugs. So Mark, being a Chicago Bulls fan, I hate you on the basketball court, but love your maverick ways in generic drug manufacturing, distribution, and sales. Go for it, man. That's great, Dave. Thank you. Julie, what's your take on Cuban's new online pharmacy for generics? What other innovations are you seeing in the market that are trying to do the same thing? I mean, there are so many players in this drug discount, you know, increased access D2C market now. It's amazing. And they all have, you know, slight differences in their models or who they're working with or levers they try to pull. But the one thing that makes this Mark Cuban model so interesting to me is what Dave just ended with, which is the fact that he put his name all over it. They're cash pay business and they need consumer eyeballs and consumer adopters. And what better way to do that than to use a Mark Cuban brand? So it's certainly much more recognizable than a company called Roe or Hims or Lemonade. I mean, if you're not in the healthcare industry and you're not watching some sort of, you know, late night 2 a.m. show, you might not know those names. But over the last 18 months, you know, there's been a ton of models to come in and compete with some of the initial discount programs like Dave mentioned, GoodRx or more recently Single Care. In that same genre, there's Semper Health, which works with health plans, and they're really into gamifying to incentivize Berta, people like you to take your prescription meds and refill them. Not the stickers exactly, but they have a 92 NPS score. And initially they raised adherence by like 15%. So some of these companies are having real material impact on adherence and just experience. I mentioned Alto personally, they just raised $200 million this week to focus on their digital pharmacy expansion. 
And I mean, there's so many in this market, Amazon, PillPack, Capsule, Medley, Honeybee. And then I love the family of RX names, Genius RX, Nimble RX, Carry RX. I mean, the list goes on. <laughs> and then there are the telehealth players that wrap a subscription business around it, which kind of takes it one step further into care, like NERCs or 30 Madison. And then there's companies that will aid patients with certain types of drugs like Atlas or marketplaces in the benefit space like sharks. I mean, the list goes on and on. So the space is crowded. Mark Cuban's in a crowded space, but everyone knows his name. Yeah, and they've created a landing spot for B-list actors in a lot of these <laughs> commercials, right? That is for sure. I mean, we are finally starting to leverage some real uh, star power in healthcare. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Dave, any questions for Julie? Well, what I liked about what Julie was saying is how the market's organizing to solve real consumer problems. And so I guess my question for you, Julie, is as the market, it's overcrowded, but as it sifts out, how do, how do you think consumers ultimately will really benefit from this? And will they be able to stick it to, you know, particularly the PBMs who are supposed to be, you know, negotiating rebates on behalf of consumers, but don't? Totally, Dave. I think just with some of what you said as well, consumers will end up getting lower prices and the drug manufacturers will end up getting more drugs into market. And with adherence going up, you would hope that you would see some improvement in health in some way. So, you know, whether it's the health plans that are really starting to get serious with some of these models to cover some of these drugs, or it's just consumers who have now assumed, you know, that cash pay is fine with them, they should be winning. And with someone like a Mark Cuban, who's trying to ensure that the, those drug prices are under what consumers would pay for their co-pays. I mean, that becomes a real winner for consumers. Thanks, Julie. And now let's talk about Civica RX. It's attacking the same issue as Cuban, but from a different direction. Julie, what do you think of what these health systems are doing? And do you think they'll be successful? Look, it's smart. Civica is guaranteeing lower prices for generics that hospitals use a lot in the acute setting. and you know, by the way, some of those are also at risk for going on shortage on a good day, much less during a pandemic. So, you know, Civica started with things like antibiotics, those I can't pronounce, of course, but a couple of them that ended mycin. And 14 sterile injectable medications, a sodium bicarbonate injection, which is pretty vital for use in emergency care. And this is all through deals with other manufacturers initially, but now Civica has also signed their own deal to develop and manufacture drugs. So not unlike Mark Cuban, they're not only dropping expenses for hospitals here, but they're smoothing those expenses for hospitals, which I think is really important, especially nowadays. They hope to cut more spend across more drugs. So that was kind of phase one. Phase two with Civica Script comes in and it's a new operating unit, relatively new, where they're now looking at six to 10 of the common and most high cost generic medicines where there's just not a lot of competition in the market, frankly, and they want to drive competition down by producing it themselves. So, you know, starting early in 22, they're going to make these drugs available retail mail order, so easily accessible to people. And a lot of, I think something like 100 million lives are covered by the Blues and Anthem, who are now members of Civica Script. So, you know, it's similar to the Cuban model in some ways, but it's not cash pay, and that may make a difference. 
Interesting. Thanks, Julie. Dave, how does what Civica is doing impact drug companies and drug prices? And who benefits most if it's successful, health systems or patients? To your first question, and Julie references, Civica guarantees a supply and stable prices for the generic drugs it offers. Markets like stability and predictability, since it can manufacture drugs and has a long-term perspective, Civica also poses a threat to bad actor manufacturers who have cornered the market on particular drugs to gain monopolistic pricing power. Essentially, they're saying, you know, get too greedy and we're coming after you. So that's all, all to the good, as Julie said. The answer to your second question is more nuanced. As Julie said, Civica Scripts is a direct play to consumers, but through insurance companies, not in a cash market. And presumably that will work its way through, but it's dependent on the insurance companies like Anthem, its big sponsor, doing the right thing. So again, transparency, really important. On the Civica RX side, that's even more complicated. Those drugs are directly bought by hospitals. So it definitely lowers the prices hospitals pay for vital generics drugs, but it's not clear if those savings pass through to patients after all the back and forth between payers and providers, particularly since drugs are only one component of an acute care treatment episode. So in summary, it's good that hospitals pay less for necessary drugs. In efficient markets, that would work to push down prices. In order to do that, however, and I'm a broken record on this topic, we have to change the way we pay for care. So full-risk payment models, bundles for episodic care and capitation for population health would guarantee that hospitals would pursue the most cost-effective way to provide treatments. And in that world, the savings they can generate by purchasing from Civica RX and through their consortium would ultimately accrue to patients and other buyers of healthcare services. So full-risk pricing, Dave, how often do we have to say it? <laughs> over and over again till it happens. Thanks, Dave. Julie, any questions for Dave? Yeah, Dave, you know, the commercial side of me wants to ask you your impression of how Civica is structured as a business and whether or not they're going to be able to compete with the big dogs in the commercial landscape. So you're welcome to answer that. But the question we could talk about is what's the risk of all these models all over the place that are basically selling consumers drugs, whether they get some of them paid for or not, to the value-based care approach that we talk about all the time. I mean, it's creating completely separate work streams and access points. Yeah. To your first question, it's always kind of amazed me that, um, you know, the CEO for Civica makes a buck a year and it's it's nonprofit. If, if this were a good business, they should be able to pay their CEO a real salary and generate margins and be efficient. Now, can't be too greedy, but so that's always made me wonder. The fact that Civica RX is even necessary probably speaks more to the dysfunction of the overall space as much as, as anything else. On the second question, it doesn't bother me if there are a bunch of players experimenting with, with different models to try to drive value as long as the end of the day, the level field competitive market is sufficient to differentiate between those that are better at doing it than those that are worse, you know, market fitness tests. So let a thousand companies try to figure this out, but let the winners emerge from the pack. 
Now, the trouble is with healthcare, it's all so complicated and there's all these places to hide that I think your concern's a valid one, which is companies will find little niches that they can exploit and it'll be like whack-a-mole trying to regulate them. So the more we can move toward true level field competition and let the bottom-up market forces manage sales and distribution, the better off we're going to be, you know, in the country, in the industry. Great. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, I've got one punch card right now, and I could barely manage that. So, Julia, I hear what you're saying. All I need is 24 more in my wallet, right? That's right. (laughs) I'll slow down the line at the pharmacy and get a lot of uh, (laughs) other customers angry at me. But it will be interesting to see what impact these market moves will have on drug prices and drug affordability five years from now. Let's hope it's a positive one. Thanks, Dave, and thank you, Julie. That is all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed on today's show, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. And if you follow our show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite streaming service, you'll get notified each time a new episode is available. And don't forget to tell a friend about Foresight Friday Roundup. Subscribe now and don't miss another segment of the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.